Democratic base is very dialed into abortion rights as an issue more broadly. Uh, Same-sex marriage rights. Closed the state's last abortion Pat provider. Has now apologized well, to his congregation. The Bible has application for every part of our lives. violate her views as a Southern Baptist. He's on camera saying that Bill Barr was a great attorney general. In the midst of all of today's noise and confusion, we need a voice that cuts through the chaos to bring wisdom and clarity. Welcome to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's, an hour-long show exploring critical issues related to faith and culture from a uniquely Christian perspective. Now, here's your host, Julie Roy's. Welcome to The Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I am Julie Roy's, and I'm so glad that you've joined me for today's discussion. We're going to be talking about an issue that's extremely important, but frankly, I wish it weren't an issue, and I I wish that we didn't have to talk about it, but we do. That's because this issue is ravaging churches and unsuspecting staff and laypeople. It's the issue of wolves in shepherd's clothing, pastors who are supposed to be protecting their sheep, but instead they're preying on them. And if you've been a part of a church where this is happening, you know how painful and confusing and disorienting this can be. And here in the Chicago area, there's been a lot of talk about this issue. That's because over the past 18 months, we've had two mega churches, Willow Creek Community Church and Harvest Bible Chapel, where the pastors have been accused of abusing the flock and the staff. But this doesn't just happen in big churches. It happens in churches of all sizes, and it's not necessarily because these pastors are just human or they're sinful. According to my guest today, sometimes there's something else, something very sinister to blame. Now, before I go any further, I want to speak to you pastors who are the majority of you out there who are honest and kind and sacrificial. And, you know, again, I recognize this isn't about you. Um, And I hope that nothing that we discussed today casts aspersion on you. Again, the majority of you pastors, I just so appreciate. We love you, and we recognize how thankless your job often is. So I just want to make that very, very clear. But my guest today is Daryl Poles, and he's worked with many churches as a mediator. And he says that over the years, he's seen a different quality to some of the church conflicts. At first, he said he didn't know what to make of it. He writes in his book, Let Us Pray, and that's spelled P-R-E-Y. In many cases, there was something deeper going on in these conflicts, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Though I expected the pastor to be involved and even be part of the problem, my training and my biases said that he or she was caught in the middle. So like most interventionists, I looked for the issues and then probed the deeper meanings behind them so that we could fashion a workable settlement. But what I didn't expect was that the pastor was at the very center in almost every fight that had this different quality to it. I also didn't expect that the pastor would intentionally sabotage a settlement or the entire process to get what he and he alone wanted. Well, friends, that's what happens when the pastor has something called narcissistic personality disorder, or NPD. So how do you detect if your pastor has this condition, and what do you do if he does? Well, joining me right now is Daryl Poles, author of Let Us Pray, The Plague of Narcissistic Pastors. Daryl also is a professional conflict interventionist with 40 years of experience. He's also the founder of PeaceBridge Ministries, a nonprofit that works with churches experiencing internal conflict. So, Daryl, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you join me. Good morning, Julie. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Daryl, why don't we just start with a definition and explanation of what narcissism is. 
Well, narcissism is uh, something we all have to a certain degree. It's that we, we enjoy being complimented. We enjoy sometimes being in the center of attraction. There's nothing unhealthy about that. What, what, what we're looking at and what concerns us is where that is a, an insatiable drive to be at the center of attention, to be adored, to be admired, uh, to have power um, over other people. And um, it, it goes, there's a crossing point from healthy to unhealthy, and uh, it's been defined for probably three decades now as narcissistic personality disorder, which is a pathological need um, to be in charge, to be right, to um, control, and uh, it, it's hallmarked by manipulation, by lies, by um, any, pretty much anything you can think of, but um, mostly it's about manipulating people, getting what they want from them, and then throwing them away. And I understand there's two classifications of narcissists. There's overt and covert. So explain the difference between those two. Well, the overts are fairly easy to spot. They're in your face. They're the extroverts. Um, they're the ones who are tend to be up front. They're the center of attention in a room. They want to be the center of attention. And um, uh, they're actually often uh, described as being charismatic. They can be incredibly charming. Uh, when they want to be. And um, those are the extroverted ones. Uh, they tend to be pretty much in your face. And when you cross them, uh, you're likely to experience what's called narcissistic rage, mm. which is something you really do not want to experience. It is amazing in its destructiveness uh, because they have picked out every weakness that you have and they use them against you. The coverts are their twins, but opposites. They are shy. They are introverted. Um, their motivation is they know that they want this to be recognized. They have this grandiosity, but they're ashamed of it. And so they try to hide it. Um, they're every bit as good at manipulating people, but what the way they approach it is they, they don't expect direct praise. They expect indirect praise, such as in a conversation, they will put themselves down. Uh, mm. For example, one says, well, you know, I've had dyslexia, but I still manage to read uh, 40 books every year. And your, your expected response is, wow, that's great. Um, but either way, uh, they have to be in full and complete control. And they, uh, if you, they decide you're an enemy, they are going to get rid of you one way or another. Mm. So this is something that you're very passionate about, about weeding out these narcissist uh, pastors. What fuels that passion for you? It's <laughs> uh, a good question. I was an associate pastor under one for three years. Hmm. It was uh, good for two years, and uh, then um, uh, he, he turned against me. I made the mistake of saying that he was actually going to have to retire someday, and he had turns out he had no intentions of it. The next, next thing I knew, all of my enjoyable duties were gone, and I was pretty much shunned by everybody. Then he came into my office and spent half an hour tearing me to pieces, um, and um, then finally stood up and said, you know, I love you, this is all for your benefit, and wanted a hug. Mm. Um, it was one of the most devastating experiences of my life. And coming out of corporate conflict management, 
I have a pretty thick skin. And so that he really knew what he was doing and he did it well. Mm. And I'm imagining, and you know, I've investigated uh, a church recently where, where that happened, where there was someone, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he had, you know, NPD, whether that would be clinical. Mm-hmm. It, there certainly are a lot of hallmarks that you're describing right now that I heard a lot of people that I interviewed describe incidences where that sort of ha- happened to them. But mm-hmm. I'm guessing you're in a church, you're expecting your pastor. I mean, in fact, y- you do kind of, I mean, you shouldn't put them up on too high of a pedestal, but you look up to them. They're, they're spiritual leaders. They're, they're someone that, you know, supposedly knows God, and they can speak this incredible, um, strong talk, you know, right? But they're not necessarily yes. walking it. You know, how does this impact the person who's in the pews or the person who's on staff I mean, how disorienting is this? What's the process the person who, you know, is in the presence of this narcissist can have? Well, you're right. We have expectations of our pastors, and we automatically give them a buy on many things. Um, And and oftentimes we'll think, well, it's just an eccentricity uh, of the way they're acting. But over time, this builds up, and if you become one of their, um, they identify as useless or an enemy, um, their attacks create incredible what's called cognitive dissonance, which is mm. the, the, the difference between what you believe to be true and what is flowing in that totally contradicts it. Mm. Um, I've gotten hundreds of emails since publication of the book from all over the world for people who have been, uh, descri- who have been attacked by their pastors, and every one of them describes this feeling of total isolation, total confusion of what did I do to deserve this? Mm. And the first thing I tell them is, you did nothing to deserve this. Nobody deserves this. Mm. But um, it's one of those things where they just, when they turn on you, uh, it's it's definitely life-changing and not necessarily for the better. Mm. And it can be so brutal and so wounding. And I know there's people listening right now because I know they were, even in social media, they were saying they're going to tune in, but they've experienced this. They're reeling this morning. Yeah. You're, you're feeling like Absolutely. right now, I know you're, you're sitting there saying, man, that's me. I've experienced that. And even right now, I'm still hurting. I'm, I'm not healed from this. Friends, I want right. you to stay on the line. Also, I'd love to have you call in. Uh, the number 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. Again, I'm Julie Royce. You're listening to The Royce Report. Joining me today, Daryl Pools, author of Let Us Pray, P-R-E-Y. We'll be right back after a short break. We now return to The Royce Report. Here's your host, Julie Royce. Well, have wolves in shepherd's clothing infiltrated the North American church? Welcome back to the Royce Report. I'm Julie Royce, and today we're talking about these wolves parading as shepherds. They're supposed to protect the sheep, but instead they're preying on them. How do we spot these destructive pastors, and how do we do, deal with them once we do? Love to hear from you today. The number to call, 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. Also, I want to let you know that I'm giving away five copies of a book by my guest today, Daryl Poles. Uh, it's called 
Let Us Pray the Plague of Narcissist Pastors. And if you'd like to enter to win that giveaway, just go to julieroy, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com slash giveaway. That's julieroy, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com slash giveaway. Also, uh, if you'd like to join the live conversation on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash julieroy, or reach julieroys. Uh, the same on Twitter. My handle is at reach julieroys. Again, joining me today is author and founder of Peace Bridge Ministries, Daryl Pulse. Uh, so, Daryl, uh, in your book, I want to go to the study that, that uh, Glenn Ball, who's your uh, co-author, did with you. And you make this claim, uh, because of the study, that the prevalence of pastors with this extreme, very destructive form of narcissism called Narcissistic Personality Disorder, or NPD, you're saying that 30% of pastors in North America have this. At the same time, I know there's been some issues with some study, some uh, criticism that's been sparked um, about this, this study, and even this week we've uh, had some discussion about that, and I, I've had some discussion with some, some listeners as well. As I understand it, the major issue uh, deals with the questionnaire that you used when you polled all of these pastors. It was developed by a very well-respected, world-class researcher, Hessel Zondag, um, but there there is an issue. So can you describe what that issue is? Well, uh, when we first uh, decided to use what's called the Netherlands Narcissism Scale, it was because it offers a greater sense of nuance within um, the, the entire pattern of um, narcissism. And um, so... Uh, Glenn contacted uh, Professor Zondag and asked for permission to use it. Mm-hmm. Zondag sent us a copy uh, and asked us specifically to use the, what he had sent us. On that copy, and I think you've seen it, Julie, yes, is a very clear uh, notation for diagnosing uh, narcissistic personality disorder in both its overt and covert forms. We followed that to the letter. And uh, when, once we had everything put together, we had a statistician go through all of everything to make sure that our numbers were correct. Uh, very recently, um, I was made aware uh, through a, an email from another researcher mm-hmm. who suggested that the NNS was not designed to um, identify clinical um, uh, narcissism, which essentially is a personality disorder. Um, so I uh, went through uh, and found the original do- uh, validation documentation that uh, Zondag and um, his um, partner Hans Edema in the Netherlands had done. And sure enough, it says that it identifies narcissism and it uses a 100% of the entire group as part of this. Um, and but it says it does not identify clinical narcissism. So now I'm confused, very okay. confused, and I'm I'm literally sick to the stomach because <laughs> sure. I'm thinking, am I watching three years of work go down the drain? This is this is not good. Yeah. I finally managed to contact Professor Zondag, who is retired in the Netherlands, and ask him specifically. If it's not designed for this, why was this on this document that you personally sent us? He did not answer. Hmm. He simply said, it's not designed for that. And so I am still confused as to why he sent us that document and so on. 
However, in going back through our numbers, going back through our data in panic mode, as you can imagine, sure. um, we started looking at the numbers and we started looking at it and we started correlating it to what the NNS does test for. And quite frankly, we, we do have to make some changes in the book. We are going to make those changes. I notified the publisher, um, but they're not severe. We still have identified a group of about 30% of the pastors who have extreme narcissism. Of that group, um, 5%, 5.2% were in the covert, the under-the-radar type, and the rest were in 26% were in the overt. Um, and they don't fit into what Zondag identifies as healthy narcissism, which in, um, in our study was 57% of the pastors they have narcissism. They're, they're narcissistic, let's put it that way, but it's healthy. It's what helps them do what they do. It helps them stand up in front of people, and they channel it into very positive ways. Hmm. What we are looking, still looking at is that, that smaller group that is channeling it into uh, ways that aggrandize them but tend to destroy the Church. Okay, so let me just so, summarize what, what I think you're saying is Mm-hmm. Um, with this study, you've recognized, and, and honestly, Daryl, I really, really appreciate that you're just owning there's a mistake here and, and owning yeah. what the problem is and being upfront about it. I think that shows integrity, and I appreciate that. Um, and we all make mistakes, and although this one, it kind of seems like uh, somebody else made a mistake and, and you're saddled with it. But that being it's, said, it's yeah, that being said, what you're saying is, 30% of the pastors, whether you're going to say it's narcissistic personality disorder, this NPD, this clinical form, or as you're saying, just an extreme narcissism that's not healthy, you're saying 30% of pastors fall into this range. And I want you to describe the difference between healthy and healthy, healthy and unhealthy in a second, but 30%, how uh, that seems like a pretty high number. How does that relate to say, the general population? General population, according to the Diagnostic and uh, Statistical Manual put out by the American Psychological Association or Psychiatric Association, says that uh, has a range between 2% and 6% of the general population will have narcissistic personality disorder. So what we're looking at is up to five times um, higher in mm-hmm. terms of that. Although not completely and, apples and oranges necessarily, because you're, you're no. saying NPD in the general population, and this is just, uh, all Correct. we can say right now with you know more certainty is that this is extreme narcissism. But still, right. what we're seeing is that these, these pastors, we're seeing a much higher prevalence than the general public, which seems to indicate yeah. that that, one, the role itself seems to attract narcissists, but two... As congregations, do we like narcissists to lead us? <laughs> right? That is a beautiful question because the answer, I believe, is yes. Mm. I don't know of a single church that does not want to be more than they are. Mm. I don't know of a single church that does not want to grow, that does not want to impact the community in which it is, that does not want to be known for this, that, or the other thing. And then during the uh, selection process for a, a new pastor, they're looking for somebody that says, I have a vision of how to grow this place. I have a vision of how great this place can be. Mm. And 
that's what they're looking for. It confirms what it is that they're looking for is legitimate, and they don't do the background checks. They don't do a deep background check. They do a cursory background check, if they do any at all. And um, next thing they know, they're saddled with one of these people. One of the re- one of the questions that I ask a church that's looking for a new pastor is, why are you looking for a pastor who's looking for a job? Hmm. There's a reason this pastor does not have a job. You need to know what it is, and you can't rely on what it is they tell you. Hmm. Um, in, in one church, I know there were 400 applicants for the position, and about 12 of them claimed, I, have been, I know that I have been anointed by God to oh, come boy. and be your next pastor. Oh, boy. That, uh, you know, at any time anyone says it, because I've been in ministry, and I remember mm-hmm. our pastor used to instruct us, if somebody tells you, tells you, comes to you and says, God told me this, automatically yeah. a red flag could, could, should go up. Because how do you respond Absolutely. to that? No, God didn't tell you. I mean, it's, it's one of those very, I find, manipulative ways that people get their way in the church. And, and so, yeah, that, you know what? We've got about 30 seconds before we have to go to break. Okay. So I'm going to have to okay. put a pause on this, but I want to continue this discussion. Why is it that we end up with these narcissist pastors in the pulpit Uh, Again, joining me, Daryl Pulse, uh, author of Let Us Pray. And the number to call, 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. I'll be right back after a short break. Former U.S. Ambassador Caroline Kennedy is coming to the Chicago area this October for a special conversation at Judson University's 2019 World Leaders Forum. Learn how Kennedy, a diplomat and author and the eldest child of President John F. Kennedy, carries on her father's legacy of public service at this unique opportunity for the Chicagoland community. Get your tickets today for this lively conversation hosted by nationally syndicated radio host and commentator Eric Metaxas. The World Leaders Forum brings recognized world leaders to the region each year to inspire leadership for all who attend. Many great thinkers and leaders have keynoted this prominent event. You won't want to miss Caroline Kennedy this fall. Judson University's 2019 World Leaders Forum is October 8th, 7 p.m. at the Renaissance Schomburg Convention Center. Tickets start at $75 and are available now at judsonu.edu slash WLF. Once again, tickets available now at judsonu.edu slash WLF. We now return to the Roy's Report. Here's your host, Julie Roy's. Welcome back to the Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I am Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing an issue that's devastating some churches. In fact, according to my guest this morning, at any given time, approximately 20% of churches in the United States are experiencing active internal conflict. And sometimes this conflict is due to power struggles, like who controls the money, the people, or the belief. But increasingly, he said, he's seen that the cause of these conflicts can be something far more stealth and far more sinister. The cause in some of these conflicts is the pastor himself, someone we expect to be protecting the sheep, right? Not preying on them. That's because in these cases, the pastor is a narcissist. He has this twisted form of self-love and self-hatred that dominates all relationships. Instead of following Christ's command to love others as we love ourselves, narcissists care 
about themselves and only about themselves. If you have a question or comment, the studio lines are open. The number to call, 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. Also today, I'm giving away three copies of Daryl Pohl's book on narcissist pastors called Let Us Pray, and pray is spelled P-R-E-Y. If you'd like to enter to win that book, just go to Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com, slash giveaway. Um, Daryl, we have someone on the line. I think this is someone who's become a friend of mine through uh, reporting okay. on Harvest Bible Chapel. Uh, Dan George, right? Dan, are you on there? Yeah, I'm here, Julie. Hey, good to have you uh, on the show. Thanks for calling in. Um, and you have a question that I think a lot of people are asking in the aftermath of these you know, scandals or of being a part of a church where there's been a narcissist pastor. So, um, yeah, Dan, what, what are you wondering about? Yeah, Daryl, thanks. Um, so as Julie says, my wife and I were, were part of a church where this for sure was going on. We're out of uh, Harvest Bible Chapel, and we're looking for a new home church. How would mm. you... How would you tell someone to both both respect the senior pastor office and I don't know what else to say but to but to vet a new church to be on the lookout for this before we walk in the door or before we make it our home? Mm-hmm. Good question. Well, I recently we we recently went through that. Um, we left the church where we had been and. Um, we we found that we kept coming back to this one church and what we. What you need to listen for is, particularly in the sermons, how does the pastor interject himself or herself into that sermon? Is it ultimately about the pastor or about Scripture? Is the pastor using Scripture as a weapon to control people by warning them that this is what they have to do? Or is the pastor... um, full of himself and uh, so on. And one of the, here's an interesting one. They, their sense of humor tends to be really off-center. Hmm. And so if uh, the pastor is telling uh, a joke in the middle of the sermon and it falls flat, that's actually a red flag um, because they don't understand normal humor. Uh, but over, over time, there are you can pick up on verbal giveaways, that the verbal flags that they throw up because they can't help but put themselves into their sermons. That's interesting. So there's, um, they can't understand normal humor. I'm guessing that's because maybe there's not an ability to empathize with how people would feel. Absolutely. They, they can't empathize. The only time they will laugh, uh, you'll see a belly laugh, is if they're laughing at what has just happened to someone else. Hmm. You had better not ever laugh at them. Yeah. You'll pay a price. Oh, boy. Dan, um do you have any follow-up to that, or does that pretty much answer your question? Uh, it does answer the question, but it makes me think of our of, of our experience where right where the where the pastor was often used himself in the sermon, but made a point of talking about how he was never the good guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, do mm-hmm. you do you do you see that in these in these pastors that have the the narcissistic uh, whether it's NPD mm-hmm. or so pretty Generally, much self-deprecating. Um, Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's primarily a sign of a covert narcissist. They tend to be self-deprecating, put themselves down, and what they're expecting from you then is to contradict them, whether it's in the receiving line after church or it's somewhere else. 
um, you know, they say, you know, I'm, I'm just not very good at this. They know that several people are going to come up to and say, oh, pastor, you are so good at this. I just, I don't understand how you can say such things. Mm. Um, it's just another way of gaining the spotlight. Mm. Well, Dan, thank you. I appreciate that question. Um, uh, you know, one thing I want to get to is how these narcissists are formed. Is there some sort of pathology in the home? Is it, you know, or, or is it something that we even know? The, the primary theory is that sometime in childhood or early adolescence, uh, the child desperately needs unconditional love from the parents, and it is denied. And it's not only denied, but it is viciously denied. And if this happens a few times, it tends to crush the soul. It makes the child feel that they are totally worthless. And once that happens, they, there's an internal mechanism that causes them to say, I'm not going to feel anymore. If love is this painful, I'm not going to feel love. I'm not going to empathize with anybody. I'm just going to shut it all down. And in so what they have is self-hatred, but they have to project this image, and it is a projected image, of success, of intelligence, of um, charm, or whatever. And they're incredible actors, by the way. They can be amazingly charming. Um, and so they're what, they're, what you see is a projected image. It is a mask. It is not what, who they are or what they are. Hmm. Uh, deep down inside, they are absolutely terrified of being, not being in control and of being found out as being a fake. And I guess the, the million-dollar question is then, and, and as Christians, I mean, Christians are compassionate people. I think that's why we're so, yes. um, that's why we're so easily played by these people. Because, I mean, even as you say that, I feel sorry for the little kid. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, how awful. You no. know, the kid was crushed. I feel bad. And, and so there's a part of me that's like, well, let's help the narcissist, you know, let's, let's do something to, to help them. Yeah. And, and often churches, it seems like they marshal and, you know, this is the, the situation I'm most familiar with because I've just finished reporting on it is at Harvest Bible Chapel where there were multiple attempts to get help, to get counseling, to do all these things and marshaling all these efforts to try and control this condition. And what we see as a problem in the pastor, I'm hearing from an awful lot of people that this can't be cured. How do you feel about well, that, Daryl? And we only have just about like a minute. Okay. Um, the NPD, extreme narcissism, has one of the lowest recovery rates of any mental disorder. I think it's only beaten out by sociopath. And it's because they cannot conceive that there is anything wrong with them. They just cannot entertain that thought. And so they project everybody else has something wrong with them. I'm smarter than they are. Again, it's a defense mechanism, but if you can't admit there's a problem, you cannot seek a cure. Well, and how um, can you ever be right before God? Because you can never repent of it. I mean, that's the, you know, the condition of their souls. I, I worry for these pastors where this has happened. Um, we need to go to break, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion uh, about narcissistic pastors. Um, again, Daryl Pools, author of Let Us Pray. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's. The Roy's Report is a listener-supported program, and we're only able to broadcast this program with donations from listeners like you. If you'd like to see this quality program continue, please go to julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com, and click on the Donate button. 
And as a thank you for your gift of any size, we'll send you the book, Love Thy Body, by best-selling author and apologist, Nancy Piercy. Just go to julieroys.com and click on the donate button. Now, more of the Roy's Report. Once again, here's Julie Roy's. do when a pastor is praying on the sheep instead of protecting them. Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're tackling a difficult subject, the subject of narcissist pastors. These are pastors with a twisted form of self-love and self-hatred that destroys relationships and can destroy entire churches. And that's a big part of why we're doing this show. We want to equip uh, both uh, lay people and church leaders to spot these wolves in sheep's clothing and get them out of the sheep pen. Towards that end, we're giving away copies of a book by Daryl Poles and Glenn Ball today called Let Us Pray, and pray is spelled P-R-E-Y. The book is about narcissist pastors, how to spot them and how to survive them. So if you'd like to enter to win a copy of that book, just go to my website, julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com, slash giveaway. That's julieroys, dot com, slash giveaway. Also, I want to let you know that if you missed any part of today's broadcast or you just want to listen again or share it with friends, that uh, audio of that will be available at my website today by 1 o'clock today. You just click on the podcast button and you'll see it. Also, I want to let you know that next week we're going to be sort of continuing uh, along these same lines. We're going to be talking about living in the aftermath of church scandals. After two mega churches have been rocked like uh, by scandal like has happened here in Chicago, how do the, how does the Christian community, how do we move forward in this? How do so-called wounded and hurt church refugees find healing and refuge? And how do pastors help these refugees when now both pastors and churches are viewed by suspicion by so many of the people uh, in the congregation? Joining me will be two area pastors and three so-called church refugees. It's going to be a great show, so I hope you can make it a point to join us uh, next week here on The Roy's Report. Well, returning to our subject of narcissist pastors, again, joining me as author and founder of Peace Bridge Ministries, Daryl Poles. And Daryl, um, someone asked on Twitter, she said, Ann Lewis asked about that 30 percent uh, number that you had. How do you come up? What's the criteria that you use to um, what were the questions for finding these narcissist pastors? Um, again, these are ones that have the unhealthy form of narcissism. You know, how, what, what are the questions that you use to determine that? Well, uh, like I said, it was part of the Netherlands narcissism scale developed by Hessel Zondag. And he developed that off of what is called the narcissistic personality inventory, which is a very popular inventory and has been validated many times that you use a lot here in the United States. And it, it, uh, it asks questions such as, um, you know, people, it has statements that you either agree with or disagree with on a scale of one to seven. You know, people admire my talents and abilities or, um, you know, people, I'm a natural born leader and people follow me. Hmm. Um, when you get start getting out to the extreme end there, you start running is where you start running into the, the problems and generally uh, scores of five or higher on a whole on a series of the questions indicates uh, unhealthy and very high levels of unhealthy narcissism and it seems to me like we kind of foster that because I mean I've heard like this whole you know that the pastor the senior pastor especially at um, some of these mega churches they talk about being a point person and you need to have these qualities and the senior pastor needs to be in charge and 
Um, so mm-hmm. it seems that natural born leader, you know, th- that almost seems like something we'd have on, on some sort of gift survey. And, and <laughs> we kind of glory in this, right? Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, we, we, we enable it. We do a very good job of it. Yeah, we do. I think we need to rethink church a little bit uh, in North America. Um, and I should mention that the study that you did was actually with Canadian pastors, correct? Yes, uh, we studied an entire denomination from British Columbia to Nova Scotia. Okay. No no study yet on U.S. pastors in particular? No. Um, I was contacted by a couple of universities uh, when I spoke at the American Association of Christian Counselors World Conference about doing some follow-up studies, but to my knowledge, nothing yet is underway. I think that needs to be done. Just <laughs> my two cents on that. I agree. Uh um, I agree. Ours is ours is the only study out there, so it is preliminary. Yeah. Well, I think we need more study on this. I definitely do. I want to go to our phone lines. I have Brandon on the line. Uh, Brandon, uh, from what I understand, you've had an experience with a narcissistic pastor. Is that correct? Yeah, I have. I um, <clears throat> it was about a year ago. Finally, I I actually was released from my job, mm. and uh, I found. Man, I was just kind of in a state of bewilderment, unsure, you know, what am I going to do at this point? Do I want to continue with ministry? Um, I was a worship leader on staff there, and I happened to be on a job interview uh, at one point, and I was kind of in this state of, like, depression almost saying, is this going to be something I have to face no matter where I go? Hmm. And I just happened to look up on... I think I Googled something about uh, is narcissism just so common in pastors, something like that. And it came up with this uh, little article from the book, uh, from Daryl's book. And I was blown away at how almost identical that story was to mine, Mm. even down to the point of sitting in an office meeting and kind of just getting berated for 20 minutes unsure what to even how to even respond to anything and then the meeting's done he gets up he says i love you and (laughs) wants a hug and i was like oh my gosh that has to be like three or four times oh my goodness and and this is and i want to ask this okay so because brandon what you say i mean the way i read scripture any pastor that gets up i don't care whether you have npd or whatever you say you have or don't have you don't berate people and, and actually, right. I remember listening to a certain pastor, and I never liked him on the radio because he would belittle people. He would mock people. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember just thinking, mm-hmm. well, that's not how you treat human beings. That's not what Christians do. And yet they get away with it in these churches. And, and that's where I kind of want to turn it a little bit, because you talk about the narcissistic church that's often headed by this narcissistic pastor. You say the healthy leaders, like you know, I'm assuming hopefully Brandon, you know, get chewed up and spit up, spit out, or they, they leave because they recognize this is toxic. And so what you end up yep. with are often, you know, leaders that have narcissistic tendencies themselves because they want to bask in the glory of this narcissistic pastor who may be a celebrity yeah. or maybe on radio yeah. or may, you know, Absolutely. write books. And so you remove that pastor. What do you have left? It all falls apart. Well, yeah, you have a bunch of kind of empty sycophants who are mm-hmm. just kind of yep. used to carrying on the riding on the coattails of somebody else, and 
enabling, well, they don't know what to do anymore. They just fall back into the same pattern. So what I've discovered since leaving is that's kind of been the pattern at this church. They've had people who um, they've gone through senior pastors who have basically been uh, antisocial to extremely social, but no depth. Um, And the leadership has just been lacking throughout Mm. it. Mm. Let me throw it. Frustrating thing. Yeah. So Daryl, I mean, you work with these churches in the aftermath what do you yeah. do when you've got, I mean, one, one narcissist gone, but you have some narcissists left? Well, um, what I do is I go in and analyze uh, the damage that's been done. Um, not so much financial, because that's pretty obvious, but I look for the psychological, spiritual, and emotional damage done to the people who are still there. Mm-hmm. And um, then what I help try to help them through is a process that they adopt to so to make sure they don't hire another one. But um, the only actual healing is to learn to forgive and to let all of it go and to allow God's love to fill through you. And you, you come to a point where you no longer hate them, you no longer fear them, you do pity them. Because they they can't help what they do. Hmm. Well, but yeah, are they? they are do. you saying they're not responsible? Because aren't all of us culpable for our sin? Yes, we are ultimately. But this is a uh, this is a, a a condition where they are driven and obsessed to behave in the ways that they do, and uh, efforts to change them just don't work. Um, how that plays out on God's scheme, I I'm not qualified to say. I don't know. Hmm. Well, there is a book out there. I've read uh, just the first couple of chapters called The Pandora Problem. And, and oh, yeah. This, so this author is saying that actually he's had, he's had some success working with narcissists, but it seems like not in the traditional counseling model where you have somebody isolated one-on-one with a counselor. Mm-hmm. He's saying these people need to be in community and the community needs to be part of the healing Maybe our, our counseling methods aren't, aren't able to deal with this. Um, they need to be held accountable, and that's what they fight against all the time. They don't want to be held accountable. And um, you know, I think a community approach that is based on love but also very strict accountability might have a chance of success. My um, uh, Steve Sanders, who wrote the uh, foreword to the book, is from, a therapist at Boston University, he says he has had some success, Hmm. but it takes a very, very long time to establish trust because they don't trust anybody. Hmm. That's sad. It's just part of their nature, part of their paranoia that everybody's out to get them. So Hmm. it is possible, but um, it's it's not something that is common. Yeah. You know, somebody just texted me, uh, R.T. Maldner, uh, he's a pastor in the area, and I know uh, he was uh, at Harvest for, for a time, but he, he texted me a question. He said, what role does spiritual warfare play in this issue? <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't have a lot of time. I, we have about, uh, I, I get yeah, it. I'm yeah. going to give a very concise answer. My belief is that this is satanic, mm. period. I, I have come to the belief that uh, Jesus warned that we would experience wolves coming into the congregation to kill and destroy, and this is them. Hmm. 
So do we need to add a component then of spiritual warfare, praying and, and attacking Satan when it comes to these narcissists? I think so. I think prayer was the only thing that saved me. Um, it literally was. It, um, it's, it's the only time I've ever heard God speak, and it was only two words. He said, trust me. Mm. And I, quite frankly, had to shut up and say, okay, <laughs> you got a deal. Mm. And that's and on the healing this process. The, this is the result. That's on the healing side, and this is the result of it. Mm. Mm. Boy, what a, what a great, great topic today. Daryl, I have so appreciated this discussion, and I know we've, <laughs> we've really just scratched the surface, right? Um, there's yes, yeah, there's so much more that we could talk about. But, uh, you know, you referenced uh, Matthew, you know, 715 says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And friends, that's what we're experiencing with these narcissist pastors. But it's nothing new. And that, that I take some comfort in that. There have always been wolves among the sheep, right? Yeah. And yeah. Jesus warned us to avoid them. So, you know, my hope is, and, and Daryl, I'm guessing your hope is too, that this isn't going to devastate people's faith because they've had a bad pastor, right? It happens, but I, I wish it wouldn't because it has nothing to do with faith. Yeah. Well, again, if you missed any part of this program, just go to julieroy, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com to hear the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Hope you have a great weekend, and God bless. <laughs>